Feels so good. Out here in Mountain, it's a real good morning. I bet these birds got them probably close to a hundred times. Tater, rocking season, boys. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Strut South podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Greathouse. Um, got a little behind, guys, uh, and it's all my fault, and I'm sorry, but we're back. It's been a week or two, but today we've got Gage Hale on here, and we're going to talk to him about deer hunting. He's got a pretty awesome looking 10 pointer that he killed. And uh, we're going to get into the story about that deer. And then we just, after that, we kind of just get into talking hunting and um, all that good stuff. But we're going to roll right into it right before we do. Y'all know the drill. If you haven't done so, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us a rating and review on the podcast. If you want to tell your friends about it. Tell them to check out the podcast. Leave a rating and review. Y'all can hear my dog barking. Leave that rating and review, guys. And that helps out a lot more people find the podcast. So that everybody can listen to it. We would really appreciate that. Um, Facebook, Instagram, y'all can check us out on there. Uh, we're actually starting to do a lot more hunting now. So um, it's actually starting to get pretty decent here in georgia with deer so um we're definitely going to be having some a lot more videos roll out on the youtube so looking forward to that and we'll get into this episode hope y'all enjoy all right everybody welcome back to the Strut south podcast i'm your host ryan greathouse um young probably hear my dogs barking i'm <laughs> but uh we got Greg on here, and, and I, why did I say Greg? I meant to say Gage. <laughs> uh, Gage Hale. Gage Hale. And uh, what's up, man? How's it going, man? It's going good, man. Um, you uh, and you're you're in Kentucky, right? Yes, sir. Right here in uh, Kentucky. Man, how's that weather up there? Uh, it's actually feeling pretty good. Uh, we've had a, uh, a cold front come through and, you know, the temperature has been mediocre, uh, throughout the day. It's, uh, roughly 60, which, you know, we just got some rain recently and, uh, we, we had a, a big dry spell. We had uh, a drought and, uh, you know, we, of course, a lot of people know EHD hit Kentucky this year and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not good. Um, I know that's. I think EHD's done hit several places. I think it hit. I think it hit Iowa pretty hard too. Yeah, 
yeah, from what I've seen, uh, yeah, it has. Um, there's there's actually been several spots. I think you know, kind of down here, like I think some spots in Tennessee, um, maybe some spots in Georgia. I've, I've been seeing some pictures, um, like on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. Folk, um, I don't know if it what it looked like it was EHD. It might not have been, but even down here in Georgia, I've been seeing some folks. Um, talking about maybe EHD, but um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's hit. But like I said, it's been getting cooler down in the night. It's just a matter of time before we get our first frost. It's the lowest I've seen it hit so far throughout the night is uh, thirty six degrees. And uh, like I said, all we need is that first frost, and I think uh, everything should uh, turn and be uh, be a lot better. Mm. I'm, I'm man, I. Can... I wish we'd get that cold down here. It's, I think we ain't got below. I don't even think we've gotten below about fifty-five yet. Um, yeah, it was. Warm. It was. It was rough here for a while. It was 90, 95, 96, and you know, upper nineties for the longest time. Like I'd mentioned, there was no rain and everything had done a big number to the deer. And uh, but like I said, yeah, the, the temperatures are just getting right. The deer hunting's getting good, and uh, it's just a matter of time. Before you know, we get that first frost. Yeah, that first frost hits. It'll be it'll be good. Um, and we, you know, it was pretty bad here too. We we were going going on a pretty good drought. Um, I mean, we're probably still technically in a drought. But um, I know yesterday it rained at my house yesterday for the first time in like three months. So. It was uh, yeah, it was much needed. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it rained all day yesterday here too. So it was it was really good. It, I'd say it probably rained maybe an inch. Um, so it was pretty good. But uh, we'll go ahead and do our rapid fire here. Um, hardest questions you've ever answered probably in your life. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, the hardest question. Do what? I said the hardest questions. All right. Yeah. Um. All right. You got one. You you're standing in the airport. You got one free plane ticket to anywhere in the world. You can't pack anything. You have to leave right then. Where are you going? Probably Cabo. Mm. Just south of California. That's a good answer. All right. Um, if you could go back, well, not go back, but if you could hang out with any person at any time in history, past or present, who would it be? Oh, yeah, that is a hard one. If I could hang out with one person, oh, man. Oh, I would have to say... I'd probably have to go with Mark Jury. I probably would. Mark Jury's my type of guy. <laughs> okay. Good deal. Yeah, he knows the stuff about deer, that's for sure. Yeah, he does. <clears throat> okay. Um, favorite superhero? Uh, we're going to go with Superman. All right. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Vanilla. Can't beat a good vanilla. All right, no, last, last one. Favorite breakfast item? 
I'm gonna go with bacon. All right. What what's your what's your favorite like I guess what's your favorite breakfast in general? Ew. Favorite breakfast in general. Like you you wanting somewhere like, like a you, restaurant? Like if you was just gonna go somewhere and get something to eat for breakfast. And you let me explain those items that I'd get. Uh, yeah. or let's see if or let's see. I would go probably to a Waffle House. And uh, let's see, I would probably get the All-Star breakfast. Oh, yeah. Can't go wrong with All-Star. <laughs> I've ate many of them. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are delicious. Um, all right, now we'll get into the meat and potatoes. Um, I don't really, I don't really have any topics wrote down right here um usually i just try to wing it but uh but it's like i was saying you know before we actually started recording that you know i just i wanted to get you on here because i found i saw that you know we were friends on facebook and noticed that you uh you love killing deer and hunting turkeys and hunting deer just as much as me or anybody else does and um i just wanted to get you on here and talk to you and We'll talk about deer hunting and all that good stuff. Um, Sounds good. But this, but that, that, I guess what we're going to start off with is uh, that 10 pointer that you got, which I'll use, we're going to use that picture. That'll be the picture for this episode. Um, Pretty big, pretty big wide 10 pointer. Um, I guess uh, give us the, uh, give us the spiel on that deer. All right. So. I'll give the spill of this of that deer right there. So, you know, I had gained peace on this property uh, last year, late in the year. Um, you know, I was hunting public. I was bouncing around on public land here in Kentucky, and it just wasn't happening. I had passed up a, a lot of smaller bucks, but nothing that I'd want like I, that I wanted to harvest. And so, you know, I start going around knocking on people's doors and stuff, and then I'd sit there and I'd. I come across this farmer and I had talked to him for a good while. And, uh, after about two hours sitting there talking to him and everything, he uh, gave me permission to hunt his farm. So you now I was ecstatic because, you know, I've been bouncing around on public and, you know, anybody who hunts public knows that, you know, it's always a challenge. And, um, uh, right. so I got this piece of private and, um, the first thing I'd wanted to do before I started diving into it and hunting it is I wanted to scout the property put boots on the ground and learn it before I actually started going in and hunting these deer. So it's a fairly large property. So I, I originally started with, you know, pulling up maps and pulling up your topo maps and stuff and just keying in on certain areas that I, I for sure wanted to, um, to go into and look at. And I come across this big bedding area. I found it on the map on the farm and, I knew immediately that them deer had to have been bedded there. And when I had put boots on the ground the very first time, I had walked through that bedding area just to look at it. And, like, it was late in the season. It was probably uh, mid-December at this time. So it was late. And uh, when I come through that bedding area, I had jumped up two really nice bucks in there. So I knew that for sure there was some good deer in there. And on that farm, and they was using that bedding area, and just to the just to the side of that bedding area, there was uh, oak ridges on both sides. But on one side, there was a road bed that come up out of that bedding area, 
and went up on top of this oak flat. And I immediately knew them deer had to have used that roadbed because, I mean, just like the old saying, deer, deer like the, the path of least resistance. I mean, just like anybody else would. And uh, so I started keying in on that area up there, and I had noticed there was a bunch of acorns up there. And so I put a camera up there. And one of the first few bucks that I'd caught on camera was the deer that I had killed this year. And, you know, he, I had guessed him at a four-and-a-half-year-old deer, and uh, he was broke up on his left side. And he, he wasn't a deer that I was going to target then just because he was so broke up. And I had knew that I had another shooter, at least one more shooter from me jumping him up in the bedding area. So I would got pictures of this deer, and he become real frequent, and I started learning his uh, his travel paths and stuff. And uh, it, I, like I said, I learned his travel paths, and then, uh, like I said, I wasn't going to target this deer at all. And then uh, this year, like I said, we had a drought, and it was hot. Was miserable, so I'd always kept that deer right there in the back of my mind. I knew where that deer was, and I knew that he had made it through the season because, like I said, he freaked a lot. And I had always caught pictures of this deer, so I knew he made it through the season. I went in, I shed hunted that property. I didn't find his shed, but I knew he had made it. And uh, so, like I said, we're gonna fast forward to this year. And uh, that area, that bedding area, is such in a remote spot that you can't get into it without blowing a deer out unless you have the right wind and from early season on until I killed that deer we had the worst wind every every time and um the bad weather and you know I don't it's it's a long walk like I had mentioned it's a big farm so you know I'm walking like a mile just to get back to this spot in early season I wasn't gonna risk sweating and you know putting all that ground scent just to get up there on that oak ridge right off that bedding. And this oak ridge, like I had mentioned, is just right, I mean, 50 yards off this. So, I mean, it was pins and needles getting up here without blowing any deer out that morning. And so it had been hot, and it had been hot, and finally the first cold front that was going to hit Kentucky, the wind, did a total opposite. And I knew that was my time to make a move. And uh, it, I think it was, uh, I want to say low 40s, and I knew that I could make that walk without sweating. I wanted to get in enough, plenty enough tape, uh, day, uh, before daylight because I knew I was going to be hugging that bedding area. And I got in my stand, I don't know, about an hour before daylight, creeped in every three or four steps. When I got close to that bedding area, I would stop and uh, sound like a deer. Like was just walking through the woods so that, you know, I wouldn't blow no deer out. And, uh, I got in the stand, and right as soon as daylight broke, I had, I don't know, six or seven does. They come walking right up off this roadbed out of that bedding area, and I knew that that deer was probably going to be in that exact location just because he stayed there all year last year, and he felt very safe. And uh, when those does come up out of there, I just knew. So after them does, they walked underneath me. They fed around acorns for uh, about 15, 20 minutes, and they had worked their way off, and... Uh, so I pulled out a uh, a grunt call and I just hit a couple contact grunts. Nothing aggressive, nothing real assertive. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to sound like like there was a buck up there tending does. I just wanted a, a contact grunt just to draw draw something's curiosity. And uh, after I hit that grunt, it wasn't five minutes later, man. Uh, 
I'd heard something. I'd made a phone call to my buddy because I, I, was, I was talking to him on the phone, and I told him I, about this spot and how these does just walked off. And I, when I was on the phone with him, I told him, I said, hold on. I think there's a deer making a rub just below me. And uh, I, I, still, I still think that's what it was. And uh, next thing I know, I hear like a deer making a scrape. And I told him, I said, man, I said, I think I got a, a big buck below me. And he said, well, if you see him, you call me back. I said, all right. So I hung up the phone. And uh, it wasn't just a few short minutes afterwards. I caught glimpses of that his big left side. And I knew. So I called him right back. I said, dude, it is a big one. And uh, he said, well, if you shoot him, call me back. So I was like, all righty. Well, 20 minutes later, that deer, well, he stood there for 20 minutes behind the thickest under undergrowth. Because I'm up 26 foot in a tree. I like to get high up in a tree. And um, he stayed there 20 minutes, and uh, he finally ended up walking right down underneath my stand. And, you know, I was able to shoot him basically at the base of my tree. And uh, as, se- as soon as I'd seen that deer come up that road bed, I knew exactly what deer it was. And I hadn't even ran no cameras or anything on that ridge all season just because I didn't want to take the chances on going in there and blowing that deer out because I knew he was there. And, uh, we just hit the perfect morning and I just knew that was my time to go up there and hit them acorns. Cause I knew this time of year, you know, them deer know that, uh, what's coming. They know the winter's coming. Them deer have to pack on fat to get ready for the rut and uh, all these, all the weight these deer are about to lose. So, and you know, acorns are the deer's highest protein of food right now. Cause you know, everything is getting harvested and combined. So it's really their only food source. So I'd, I for sure knew that's where I had to be at, and, um, man, it just, it worked out. I I couldn't have rode it up in a strip any better. Nice. Um, did you, so, so I'm, I'm assuming y'all got a bunch of acorns falling this year. I I wouldn't say too much because, uh, some places are more plentiful than others. Like there's, I know there's more like counties, uh, west of where I'm located and, you know, I'm on that. You know, I follow them Facebook pages, Kentucky deer hunters and stuff. And, you know, a lot of people's talking about how they're seeing acorns more on the western side than the eastern side of the state. And uh, a lot of the oak trees just didn't produce. I When I walked the property earlier, like this year, just looking for acorns, I couldn't <clears throat> find none. And that's if you can find them small pockets of acorns where they are dropping – that's a key spot, and that's one thing that I knew that when, because like I said, I hadn't been back there to that stand on that oak ridge all year long, all year. I've left it alone all year, but I knew that morning was the time that I had went in, that I had to go in because that cold front moving in. And that morning when I got up in the stand an hour before daylight, the very first few things that I heard was acorns dropping like crazy, and I that's when I knew that, I was in about the best location that I could possibly have been in with the wind in my face and that deer being bedded where I knew he was going to be bedded. And it just so happenedly that he was, he was bedded there. And I think after I had threw that grunt that contact grunt out, I think it drew his curiosity because he knew those does was bedded in that bedding area with him. And when they got up and they come up on top of that ridge and him running that ridge and basically owning that ridge because he ran on that ridge all year last year, obviously been on all the all year this year 
and I think I grew his curiosity, and he didn't like that that uh, contact buck grunt, and he come up there and got himself in trouble. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Um, did you did y'all have how much rain did y'all get like back? Well, I don't know. Does it is it does the, does the acorn crop like didn't it help if isn't it helped to blow along? I guess if it rains more is it in the winter time or if it rains more in the springtime uh that i have no idea <laughs> I, I have I, no idea i would i don't i would i would say maybe rain in the springtime uh, but i'm not i'm not real sure i can't even because I, 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 I think I, the spring, I think throughout the spring though we had a fairly decent you know uh rain throughout the springtime when I mean, we didn't hit no drought or nothing so i that would be something that you would have to ask somebody like yeah, I'm, grant wood yeah or something. yeah i'm not a, I'm not a uh uh plant uh, biologist uh i'm not into the what do they call it a, a botanist um i'm uh i'm i'm pretty illiterate when it comes to trees and plants and stuff like that hold on a second man i'm experienced but you're i can hear you through the phone, but it's not like it's oh, microphone. You. you know what I'm talking it's still about? On speaker. It's still on speaker. Okay, there it goes. I think. All right. All right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's um. I I want to say it matters more, which I mean, they need rain. Uh, you know, your oak trees need rain all the time, of course. But yeah, I, I think I I really want to say and. I may be wrong, listeners, I apologize, but I want to say it matters a lot how much rain they get in the wintertime when they're dormant. And yeah. I, I think it. I think that goes a long way in determining how much um, mass crop they're going to put out the next year. But yeah. I, I'm, may, I may be completely wrong. but Yeah, that's something I wouldn't even want to. That you touch bases on because I, I wouldn't want to inform anybody any anything wrong. So I, I, don't I do that. know I do know that like in the summertime, like especially June, July, like late summer, I do know that it's not as important then. Maybe as far as if it's going to produce acorns, because by then, like be say late. late, yeah, late June. July and August, like pretty much everything is already done. At that point, everything's done. Growing. Done growing. Everything's yeah. about ready to start. It's already, yeah. Over, yep. Trees and plant life and stuff like that has already, basically internally, it's already said, okay, hey, it's time to stop. We need to, you know, start preparing for winter. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's that's another thing I think a lot of people – um, which I was always under the assumption too that you know, especially here in the South, um, deer always had food to eat, especially in the summer because everything was always green for a long time, and it stayed green until you know first of November pretty much. And uh, but that's actually not the case. I mean, it it's it looks green and everything looks like deer want to eat it, but there's no nutrition in it because. You know, those last two months of the summer, there's not really, yeah, there's no nutrition in it because really it's 
the tree's already saying, all right, we're going to, we need to take this, you know, take all this energy and spend it into something more important and getting ready for winter. Then we do need to, you know, send the nutrition to the, to the leaves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> that's just, you know, I, I saw it on Google. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's on the internet, it must be true. <laughs> yeah, but, true uh, that. Always believe the internet. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, you're up there in Kentucky. Uh, I, I got a few buddies in Kentucky. Um, so when the has it like gotten? I know you said some about um, that buck. You'd heard him. You thought you'd heard him making a scrape. Are they? Are they starting to make scrapes pretty good up there? Or? Yeah, I'd say. Uh, you know, it's the beginning stages of you know the deer. Uh, you know, gaining territory because you know we've been catching a lot of new bucks on camera uh lately and uh you know i think them deer are starting to like you know show dominance and uh gain their territory so yeah we've been making mock scrapes and we've been finding mock scrapes or finding scrapes and uh that's that's i didn't i had never after i shot the deer i'd never for sure walked down below the ridge and went down there because he had like i said he had come right off that bedding area and i'm still trying to get my lady and my dad a deer so i'd I hadn't went down there, but I'm almost, I'm 95% positive he was making a scrape and a rub. He made a rub, but then he made a scrape as he was coming up that roadbed, coming up out of that bedding area. But, yeah, yeah, we've been finding a few scrapes, but uh, I would say if, I would say now would be the time that, you know, people in the Midwest and everything like that would need to throw out a mock scrape. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really, and it may just be it's it's probably, which I'm I kind of know it's it's mostly my property. It's not necessarily where I'm hunting at as far as you know region of the country, but I think it's more or less my property. But I'm not seeing, I'm really not seeing any scrapes yet. Um, I mean, there's we've seen a couple here and there, and yeah, that's that's something I had. I had seen, I was watching a uh, a Jackie Bushman Buckmaster show the other day, and, you know, he's down there in Alabama, and uh, that's something I'd realized. I don't know how familiar the whitetail, like, I, I, with, between Georgia and Alabama, but I would assume it's probably pretty similar. Uh, but he had mentioned something about how the whitetails down there in the southern states, how they they start rutting way later in the year. He was talking about January and February bucks rutting and that being some of the best times to target a mature buck in the South. And I, I would thought that was crazy. It, I mean, for us, it's always early November, but I, yeah, that's something it, I, I've never went South and deer hunted. So that, that would be something that would. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's pretty much how it is in Alabama. I mean, Certain certain parts of Alabama are gonna be a little bit different. Like some parts of Alabama, um, they can be you know just like up there in the Midwest or where you are in Kentucky, and um, you know basically first, second, third week of November. Um, mm-hmm. And this it's the same way here too. Like where I live, I mean I got I've hunted several different properties where the rut was you know second week of November, and then other properties where it was in December. It just it's a little it's, more it's a little more wishy washy down here, but you still got, 
you still got your spots whereas in general i think it's still kind of pretty much the same time of yeah. year for the whole country aside from maybe florida yeah um but you got pockets like especially down here and not necessarily as much Alabama. Alabama is pretty much, you know, January, February. But, like, you got your pockets here in Georgia where sometimes it may be, you know, some spots is December, some spots is January. Yeah. Every property is different. So, I mean, <clears throat> the rutting activity on each farm is always going to vary and be different from one to another, even if you're in the same area. It just – it's got a lot to do with, you know, the does and all the young bucks that you got on the property because really – in my my opinion, uh, your biggest bucks are going to be somewhere where there's not too many scrub bucks. Your smaller bucks, right? And uh, so, like I said, it's it's different between property and property. It just depends on your deer herd, your deer numbers. It just so much goes into it. Yeah, yeah, I, and and that's I'm kind of confused this year, like. This year for me, it's been kind of tough because I haven't, um, which my property that I hunt, I mean, I hunt several places, but my main property that I hunt, it's only about 20 acres. And um, hey, Some of them small parcels are your best parcels. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean, there's always been deer on it. Um, and especially, I'd say, we, we probably haven't killed a good deer on it in maybe four or five years. Um when I say a good deer, I mean like a super stud. I ain't talking yep. about 160 or nothing like that. But um, we've usually always killed some pretty good studs on it. Um, at least once or one every two years, we'd, we'd always at least see a really good buck on it or kill one. And um, But this year, it's it's been kind of... I don't know. I think the property is going through some kind of transition because I've never, I've never seen it take this long for it, you know, a decent buck to show up. I've got right now. I've only got like two or three bucks um, that are on the property, and they're only, you know, they're they're showing up on the cameras every single day. But uh, usually by this time, I've already had some you know, some trespasser bucks come in and Yeah, some of them usually, new bucks. Yeah, usually about the third week of September I'll I'll have at least two or three new bucks show up and I just haven't had that yet. Um and I don't know what I don't know why that is. Um I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, it could be a it could be a variety of different things, man. Like I said, I you said you were from Georgia, uh is that what you? Is that where you said you was from, Georgia? Right. Yeah. See, I'm not too familiar with that land. Which you know, I have been down in Georgia, and I've turkey hunted in Georgia quite a bit. But uh, I've I never think... been down. There for, I've never been down there for deer. So I, I mean, I don't know about the acorns. I don't know how, how crops. I don't. I don't. I think it. In for, part of me wants to blame it on um, baiting. Because uh, this is the second year that we can legally use hunt over bait. Mm-hmm. Um, last year we were able to hunt over bait, and uh, this year we this is the second year. So I I, I want to say that's kind of why, but but then again I think well that that shouldn't really affect deer's movement that much because deer 
they don't just like to eat the same thing and stand there and eat the whole time. I mean, they like to browse. So, yep. Yeah, it could be that. I mean, pressure from the neighboring properties. Uh, you know, it just be a, a number of different things. I mean, they are wild animals. <laughs> that is, that's right. That's true. Yeah. But one thing's for sure. I do know I've got their bedding area pretty much pinned down. So I know eventually a buck's going to come in there. And once he does, he's going to be in that bedding area. So mm-hmm. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, it's kind of how I was with um, the my farm this year. And, you know, the 10-pointer the I had killed, he wasn't even the, the number one target buck on the farm. But he was a deer that I had history with from last year. And, uh, you know, anybody who's killed a deer who, who, that's had history with it, it just makes – that hunt and that that harvest that just so much more rememberable. Uh, I had, like I said, late some months I'd scouted the farm, I'd scouted the bean fields quite a bit, and you know I had a a hundred seventy inch deer. I had a I had a an eight point that probably would have went mid one fifties. He was a giant, and even though I had that one seventy, and they was even running around in the same bachelor group. Uh, that was the deer that I had my target set on was that eight point. And I just got a thing for them big, big, tall eights. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it's just the typicalness and just everything about him, man. He was just a mature deer. He's just something that I really wanted. And literally it was but like days before season had come in that all the activity had just went blank. Like the deer had went nocturnal. And uh, it, it, it left me scratching my head the first part of our season. Like I said, before I'd even killed my deer, I killed my deer, that 10-pointer, on October 5th this year, and I'd waited for that cold front. But before then, it was the 90-degree days, so I was just bouncing around on the ground like I would public. I was just keeping the wind in my face around the farm, just areas hoping to catch a buck slip up. And, you know, I had even hunting off the ground. I know a lot of people don't really agree with hunting off the ground early season because you know your thermals and you know you are leaving a lot of ground scent and the sweat and stuff but i mean you got to do what you got to do and i wasn't gonna be you can't kill them from the couch (laughs) so i was just keeping the wind in my favor bouncing around the farm here there just waiting for that right opportunity that right wind or uh the the cold front to hit and it hit on october 5th and i made my move in on my very first time in on that oak ridge back there It, it paid off Nice. Yeah, you know, you said something, but you were talking about hunting off the ground there, and I, 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 I for one, man, I, I love hunting on the ground, um, like with no ground blind, just sitting straight on the ground. Um, yep. I, I hunt, I find myself hunting more out of a deer stand than I do hunting on the ground, but I don't know, man, that's just, I love hunting on the ground. I think there's, I actually think, in my opinion, you can actually get away with a little more as far as scent if you are sitting on the ground. Um, I think it. Is, I think it does kind of make it a little tougher. And it just in my eyes, it makes it tougher for them to smell you, especially if you've got the wind in your favor. Yeah, that's what's good. It's like if you put the wind in your favor when you sit on the ground. I mean, that. I mean it. You can be very successful hunting on the ground. Just yeah, 
just play the key to your factor, and uh, I mean everything will work out for you. And yeah, because I've I've done a lot of ground hunting, bouncing around on public, and because the the way I look at it is like if you are sitting on the ground, I don't know. To me, if you're if you say you're sitting up in the tree and you got your wind blowing or whatever, and we all know, no matter where you are hunting in the country, that wind direction. It may have a main direction it's blowing, but it's going to swirl sometimes, and it's going to mm-hmm. blow in all four directions. Um, but to me, like if you're in the tree, it, there's a lot less there for it to block, you know, before it gets to the ground. But to, in my, I don't know, it's, it's just the way my head works. If, if you're sitting on the <laughs> ground, it seems like seems like there's more. You got more, I guess, cover to block your scent, you know, before yeah. they can smell the, it. Yeah, that it has its advantages and it has its uh, disadvantages. Uh, I mean, it, it is kind of easier to play the winning, like your advantage on the ground, bouncing around on the ground and stuff. But the only disadvantage I find really is, you know, leaving leaving that ground scent, you know. If you yeah. could target the days before rain, <laughs> if you could go before rain hunting off the ground, I mean, it, that's, some of your best times is hunting on the ground is like right before rain. So that, you know, when you get out, the rain washes your scent away and, you know, ain't, ain't leaving nothing behind for them deer to, to learn your patterns and learn your movements. And, uh, because them deer will pattern you. I, I've had instances in the past where deer has, has patterned me and they would show up very consistently in front of my camera, but I would never see them. I would never, 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 never see them when I went in there. And uh, just so happened one afternoon, just switched up my route, switched up my whole access route, and it paid off. <laughs> so, uh, deer finicky. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely got to think about all the different ways to approach it, I guess. Yeah. Um. Well, Gage, do you have a uh, – I saw you, you, you got something. I think you're with some – uh, I guess a hunting group or something. I don't know. Or is it your is it your stuff? It's sticking dreams, sticking dreams TV. Nice. You got a YouTube it's, channel? It's uh, we uh we're on the Sportsman Channel. We air on Saturdays, uh, 10 p.m. be Eastern time, I think. So it'd be nine Central time, and uh, you know that's I'm associated with sticking dreams television. And uh, with Brian Ritchie and, uh, you know, Whitetail Grounds, which is a deer urine company. And uh, that's who I'm That's who I'm associated with. Nice. Well, everybody out there listening, y'all go, y'all go check them out on the Sportsman's channel. I'll be, yep. I'll be tuning in. Um, Nine o'clock on Saturday nights. Nice. Um, Central time, yeah. Well, Gage, I think we can uh, we can go ahead and wrap it up here. Get ready to start wrapping it up. I know you know, we talked about a pretty good bit. Um, You got anything else you think you could add, or Um, no? I just want to wish everybody out there that just uh, tuned into this podcast uh, good luck this uh, deer season, and uh, hope everybody's safe and. I wish everybody the best. Awesome, man. Well, Gage, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was uh, 
it's fun talking to you. I, I like I enjoyed hearing about that ten pointer. Yeah, it's a crazy story. Uh, I've actually I thought about uh, you know writing a uh, maybe writing an article about the deer, you know, because of course I'm a better writer than I'm a, am a talker. So you know there <laughs> there's so much there's so much more that I can explain on papers than I can in mind because I start thinking about everything in my head about all the details, and then I start catching myself trying to backtrack and I'm missing the good stuff. It's on paper, you know. I can always write it, re-erase it. And <laughs> makes yeah. it a little bit easier. So I've thought about writing an article on that deer just because so much of my thought I wanna I want people to understand my thought, my whole full thought process on that deer, why it led me to that bridge, why I targeted that bit just all the in and outs, I just it's something that it's just very interesting. Like I said, I can explain it so much better over a piece of paper. So that's something that I I am I'm I probably will do. Uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, you should. You should do that. That'd be pretty awesome. 